0: Good morning at Broadway Baptist. If you're new with us, my name is Chris Wright. I'm our college and contemporary worship minister here at Broadway. Uh, if you are a guest with us this morning, we're especially
1: glad that you're here. Uh, we're so thankful and honored that you chose to spend an hour out of your week with us. If you would, there's a perforated section on the end of your bulletin. I uh, hope you got one of those as you came in. If you would tear that off and fill it out and drop that in the offering plate or in our black box located at our Welcome Center in the back. That can be your contribution to us this morning, uh, and that's just simply our way of getting to know you a
0: little bit better and how we can best minister to your family. Uh, for events coming up, hope you're reading your in and paying attention to the screens uh, as you're walking in and uh, getting to know all that's going on here at Broadway. Uh, again, we're
1: just excited that you're here. We're uh, excited to be able to worship our Lord this morning. Uh, as we continue to worship, I'm going to bring up Zach Bauer, our ministry going students. Uh, he's gonna Bring us uh,
0: into the middle portions. Please stand for the reading of
1: the scripture. I'll be reading from Hebrews chapter four, uh, verses fourteen through sixteen. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we
0: are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in
1: time of need. You can be seated.
2: Choir, Choir, you say standing, congregation, you remain seated. (laughs) We're gonna sing, come thou fount of every (laughs) blessing. in prayer father those words of that hymn could be our hearts desire this morning that you might tune our hearts that we might worship and praise you in spirit and in truth we want to rejoice and give thanks unto you for the abundant blessings that you pour out upon us day by day father we are so unworthy but through your grace and goodness You bountifully bless us, and we give you all the praise and the glory. May we serve you with a pure and clean heart. May we walk with you daily in obedience. May we seek our Father to bring glory and honor unto your name. Thank you for every person that has come to this house of worship today. No doubt, our Father, there are those special needs in many, many hearts today. We never know who comes through the door and the special needs that they have. But we know, our Father, that your grace and your mercy is sufficient for whatever those needs are. But, our Father, we need to call out. We need to voice those needs unto you in a personal way. And we pray, our Father, that as hearts are turned especially to you, that your, your your goodness and mercy will flow toward them. We pray for our pastor as he stands before us this morning. May his word, may your word flow through him and may the convicting power of the Holy Spirit draw those who do not know you as Savior and Lord to repentance and faith in you. Enable us, Lord, to do and to abound in your grace and mercy in the days ahead. You know the needs of your work here at Broadway. You know the challenges that we are facing. I pray for the service tonight, Lord, as the praise band leads us in this time of worship. We pray that it will be a very meaningful, stirring time in our hearts. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Thank you.
3: Let us pray. Mighty everlasting Father, we are so grateful to be in your presence this morning. Lord, we want to thank you for your goodness. We want to thank you for your kindness. We want to celebrate your love for us this day. Lord, we have come to worship you. We pray your spirit will move and we touch our hearts so that we'll have a full connection with you. We want to first of all thank you, Lord, for the precious gift that money cannot buy, your only son that you gave for us to die for our sins. We pray that Lord every day as we live, may your spirit lead and direct us towards the rightful path. We want to thank you, O oh God, for giving us strength to walk. Even as we bring our tithe and offering unto you, we pray that Lord you will bless it and you will receive it so that God, it will have an impact. It will have a good work. It will, it will do a good work to build, to advance your kingdom here. Bless our service and let your spirit take control in everything that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Believer's baptism? <clears throat> Have you followed Christ in obedience? And what baptism is, it's a picture of your old self going under the water, represent you are spiritually dead. Jesus Christ, while you're under the water, he, it's symbolic, He washes away, because what He did on the cross, it washes away your sins, and then you come up, as a new creation a new creature someone who has identified with jesus christ baptism is what we do as uh, believers and we don't do it because we're baptists we do it because jesus was baptized he was baptized by john the baptist and he said this do in obedience to me do this in responding and he told us to go out and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and son and holy spirit if you've never got baptized at the end of every service we have an invitation where you come forward and say pastor i need to receive believers baptism we don't baptize people in amazon we baptize them right there in our baptistry if the microphone sounds funny today right now if we have sound problems we received a new soundboard this week and new microphones everything's new so what that means is that it sounds different. Does it sound different? It does sound different, so they probably do that on purpose up there, but anyway, that's, um, you need to open your Bibles. It sounds different. We just bear through it. Tonight, I want to tell you about tonight. Two things. I'll make two announcements because I want, to, I want to bring emphasis to them. Tonight, we have created a worship band. It's the Broadway Worship Band, and they are going to play a concert tonight. They installed the sound system like yesterday, so now they've got one day of it trying to work, and we'll see if it works tonight. So they've they've got nine songs they've uh, been practicing on, so this will be getting ready for our new second service. We're going to have four weeks from today at 1109. The band will be playing uh, for that, so uh, definitely you need to come out, support them. Chris Wright and the worship band is going to be outstanding also um next sunday is mother's day we have special gifts for all our mothers we have baby dedication i think i have five, four babies right now i think four babies are getting dedicated if you know the baby or grandbaby we um we need to have them uh you need to let me know call the office this week really by tomorrow because we're gonna have a nice little bulletin insert so that's very important i see some of y'all holding your ears do you mind huey i think i need to be turned down a little bit so i can because <laughs> i ain't started i can already tell Thank you so much for that. All right, open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 51. And then we're going to flip over a little bit once you turn to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 7, Isaiah chapter 51. These, These next few, really the next three Sundays after today, I'm going to be preaching and teaching on really about preparing for God to do something great, preparing for how do we live in light of God's past, what he's done in the past, and what he's going to do in the future. You know, we live in, in many ways of this kind of a sense of uncertainty because many folks here, you have been baptized, you have heard sermons on Isaiah 51, you have read the whole entire Bible, so you know your scriptures, you know what the Bible says. But what happens is, okay, I know the Bible, I know what God wants me to do, and I know the future, I know about heaven, I know where I'm going, I know the new Jerusalem, the new earth is coming, but how do I live today? Here we are in 2019, and so many things are changing, so, uh, the world seems so different, I mean, uh, Sherry I, um, I'm glad to confess, I, um, I knew nothing, up until two and a half years ago, I didn't even, I knew there was a Kentucky Derby, but... Uh, I didn't know what month or what year or really where it was in Kentucky. You know, it's, it's one of those things. People, we love the Kentucky Derby, but you always wonder, do people outside the state of Kentucky, do they love the Kentucky Derby? Maybe in Las Vegas, but I knew nothing about the Kentucky Derby, but now I uh, do follow the Kentucky Derby once a year, and I even know which Saturday it's on, and uh, so we were watching Kentucky Derby, and there's this uncertainty, so this, this horse called Maximum Security won for 15 minutes. It won if you watched it, there was um, an ejection that occurred, so you're just waiting, you know, they went to the winner's circle, but I guess it had to come back out and say, well, we, we're not quite a winner yet, we've got to review the tape, and that's how, kind of how this world has become, that's what, there's this sense of uncertainty, so now the new winner is um, Country Home, so uh, they, th- that's the new, the new winner of the Kentucky Derby, so we had two winners, one was a 15-minute winner, and then the rest is the final winner with that, and the, the, the trainer for, if you were watching it, the trainer for maximum security went, because di- during this 15 minutes of uncertainty, nobody knows what's going on, so you just go around and you start interviewing people, and they don't have a, any idea who won. And the trainer for maximum security made the comment is of, and I, I got, wrote it down, leave it to the racing gods to decide who the winner is. And I thought, the racing gods? Our whole family here in Elizabeth has. Who's the racing gods? Say, well, I don't know either. Who the racing gods are? I guess they were the three stewards who decided that um, uh, that who the real winner of the Kentucky Derby is. But I think that's this that's this idea that many of us live in that there's just this uncertainty. There's these racing gods. Just however my cards fall today is what I'm going to do. And when we read our Bibles here, that is so far into the plan of God and what he's doing in your life. I want you all to, I'm, the goal of today's message, I want you to walk away this morning. I want you to have the assurance that God has a plan, a purpose, and a will for your life. We don't just leave it to the racing gods and walk around with uncertainty. Is maximum security the winner or is country home the winner? Jesus is the winner. We know for a fact we're going to heaven we have an internal home with our Lord. And everything we do, our decisions we make, that the, um, our actions, they should be pointing towards that. So that's what we're going to see here in your Bible. So go ahead and open your Bibles. Isaiah chapter 51. We're going to read the first six verses here. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut, and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham your father, and to Sarah who gave you birth. When I called him, he was only one. I blessed him and made him many. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all of her waste places, and he will make her wilderness like Eden, and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving, and meticulous song. Pay attention to me, my people, and listen to me, my nation, for instruction will come from me, and my justice for a light to the nations. I will bring it about quickly. My righteousness is near. My salvation appears, and my arms will bring justice to the nations. The coasts and the islands will put their hope in me, and they will look to my strength. Look up to the heavens and look to the earth beneath, for the heavens will vanish like smoke, the earth will wear out like a garment, and its inhabitants will die like gnats. But my salvation will last forever, and my righteousness will never be shattered. i will to give you all some background information on this scripture passage here. This was obviously written here by Isaiah. Isaiah was a great prophet. He's writing this around 750 B.C. He's writing about something that's going to occur while the people of Israel are in exile about 150 years in the future. So he's sharing this prophecy about what's going to happen next 150, 200 years to the Israelites. And if they're not careful, they will find themselves in this sense of unknown. Meaning, here we are, we're living in this foreign land, we're away from our homeland, we're away from all of our identity and our cultural heritage what we've known. And what Isaiah and what God's trying to say here is when you live in this time of this uncertainty and there's a sense of I don't know what to do, I don't know how to respond, the Bible is telling us, I want to walk through these passages. I want you to look at this. He's saying, remember, we're going to go through each one of these. Remember from the rock where you were cut. What he's talking about here, he was saying, you came you came, Israel, you came, my people, from something I did. I cut the rock. I formed you. I'm the one that's molding you together. Remember Abraham and Sarah in verse 2, he's saying. Abraham and Sarah, was a, they were a young couple in a land called Mesopotamia. God called them and said, you leave your homeland and you're going to travel to this new land, Canaan. And you're going to go there and you're going to be my people and I'm going to make a new nation out of you. It's, it was a promise there in Genesis chapter 12 that God made to Abraham, the call of Abram. And he called him and he says, I've got great plans for you. And they, he, God kept, brought him there and many years later they finally had their first son, Isaac. And Abraham passed away. With this promise that he was going to be a great nation. Now, think about it. He died and was buried there in Israel. But he had one son. So he went to the grave thinking, I'm going to be this great nation, but all of God's Isaac. God, he never, he's probably thinking, God, I never, I never saw the fruit of what's going to happen. And I think the biblical principle for us. Our investments today, what God is doing in our life and how God has chosen to use you, we might not see the return and the influence necessarily today, but it multiplies in the centuries and even the decades and even the years ahead. Our impact today, we have no idea what will happen tomorrow. Our resources and our investments and our work we do today... God multiplies for tomorrow. And that's what he's saying here. Remember, I cut Abraham out of this rock. I took nothing and made something out of it. And that's its a picture of our life, what he's saying here. You need to remember Abraham and Sarah. I made them righteous. I called them. I gave them that comfort. Keep going here. Verse 3. Look what he says here. He says, Zion is Jerusalem. That's God's city. He's chosen. He says, I'm going to take this Jerusalem. When He calls it a waste place. What that meant is during this time of exile, when Isaiah is writing this for the future, Jerusalem was destroyed. That's why Nehemiah came and started rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem. Because it was a waste place. There was nothing there. But he says, I'm going to take your Jerusalem, and I'm going to take what you call a wasted place. And I'm going to make it into Eden. So what's Eden? That's the Garden of Eden. And we say, Daniel, Jerusalem's not that. Jerusalem is. Who died on a cross right outside the city walls in Jerusalem? Jesus did. Jesus was there in the temple teaching the Bible. Jesus was there in Jerusalem performing miracles. Jesus is the prophet. So what happens is this this city that is such a wasteful place will once be a great place of revival in life. And I think what the hope we see, the comfort and encouragement, what seems so discouraging today, what seems so, so down in the dumps and depressed now, God is reminding, hey, remember years ago, Jerusalem, how it was destroyed and it was just a dump? I took it and I rebuilt it. And made it into a great place. I rebuilt the temple. My son died for the sins of the world. That saved you right there in Jerusalem. God took nothing and made something great out of it. Keep going here. Verse 4. Pay attention to my people and listen my nation. He's reminding us that we have to listen to him. He says, my righteousness is near. My salvation appears. My arms will bring justice to the nations. God's telling us that the gospel here, in the context when this was written, is it was for the Jews. This is for Israel. And what God's saying here is you're thinking about. Israel, when we think of baptism, we think of that picture here in our church, but you just saw baptisms from all the other nations around the world. We need to remember that our God is the God of the nations. People all over this world are saved by the same gospel we are saved by. The greatest message we ever have, we will ever have, is the message of Jesus Christ, and we boldly proclaim it to other folks. The nations have come to Lexington. The nations are right here in our neighborhood. We are told the salvation; He's here. It's Jesus. And look here, at verse six here. My salvation, all these other things, the heavens, earth—they're going to be gone. But He says, "My salvation will last forever, and my righteousness." will never be shattered. We take hope. We look to God's past. And we take this great hope for the future. I have it up here on the screen here about how do you live between the past and the future. We're in that middle ground right now. We're living in this present. We know what God has done in the past. Some of you have been part of incredible movements of the Lord. You've seen Jesus do great things. Yet we know heaven, what the Bible, we're about to read Revelation chapter 7, but how do we live today? So number one, I'm going to put these up on the screen. We are called to be a people who look back and forth to the heavens and to the earth constantly. Meaning, we look to heaven, we know what's coming, but we also have to live here in earth. Earth is cancer, earth is divorce, earth is setbacks, earth is disappointment. But we have a promise That we aren't going to be in this sinful world anymore. God has called us out of that, and He has a home for us in heaven. The Lord is preparing us for eternal home with Him. Number two, we constantly live and look between heaven and earth until the two become one. The Bible tells us, Jesus tells us in Matthew 24 35 heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. These words of Jesus we see in the Bible will one day be the same words we see in heaven. What goes to heaven? What's redeemed by the blood of Jesus. What Jesus saved here on earth, the message of the gospel going out, what we do in leading people to Christ on earth, what will happen? They will be redeemed with an eternal home in heaven. What's so important is we always have to remind, what am I living for? where am i going we're going home our home isn't broadway baptist church our home isn't your neighborhood you live in our home is in heaven and we have to continually remember no matter what happens here we live for what's there and what's there is the words of jesus because heaven earth is going to pass away but jesus will be there his words will remain number three we see up here We are people who live in between the two realities, between the old that is passing and the new that is arriving, between the now and the not yet. The not yet is what is coming for us. We pray for lost people. We share the gospel of lost people. We give to a church that reaches lost people so people can be saved. Why are we starting two services? So we can multiply our ministry. Instead of pulling back, we move forward saying we want more people we want more people in heaven why do numbers matter because people matter to God every person is a number and that number starts with one one soul because we know the power of the gospel changes people's lives we have to be able to say am I living for the gospel Randy Alcorn a great Great guy who wrote a lot of books on heaven, wrote the most popular book really on heaven, called Heaven. He has a, I have a quote here of him up on the screen. It says, we live between Eden, that's the Garden of Eden, and the New Earth. That's heaven. That's what the Bible describes, heaven coming. Pulled towards what we once were and what we were we yet to be. What this means is, if you're saved, you have a past. God has redeemed you of your sins. He's forgiven you of those sins. They've been buried with Christ, washed in the blood, redeemed by Jesus. Yet what we will be is where God is preparing us through purity and through sanctification of getting ready to live with him eternally. And that's this middle ground we we live in right now. So the question is, what do we do? While we live in the middle, what do we do? And what we do, we daily live for the Lord. We're a pilgrim, a pilgrim here on earth, yet we're also a pilgrim headed to heaven. So turn in your Bible here. We're going to take a picture. What is heaven going to look like? Turn in your Bible book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 7. I want you to look. This is the last scripture verse we're going to look here. Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. If you have your little bulletin, sir, make sure you pull it out here um, because we're going to see what the scriptures tell us and what's instructions about uh, expectations while you turn there, I want to share with you about, um, you know, always uh, what God is doing. I always claim I get more telemarketers than anyone else. And I've shared that before because uh, my phone's probably ringing right now with telemarketers calling. I'm sure maybe you suffer from this. So, and I, I'm convinced it doesn't matter what you say. They are not going to take you off their list. I've tried literally everything. So now I have started something new. If you call me from India, I play Bible trivia with you. Because hanging, I want them to hang up on me. Hanging up on them doesn't matter. They're going to call you back in an hour from a new random number. And see, the problem is I answer the phone. So, like, I talk to these folks. So a few months ago, I started playing Bible Trivia with them. And the way the game works is when they ask me, and they're always selling a car warranty or a home warranty every single time. I know you all get these phone calls, too. Well, now when they call, they start telling me about, I listened to the gentleman and he told me, sir, are you interested in a home warranty? I say, sir, I am. I have got my credit card in my hand right here and I'm ready to buy your best product you have. We're gonna, I'm ready to buy a home warranty. And I say, sir, do you want to make a sale? Because I want to help you make a sale. And at that point, usually they're called off guard. I say, yes. I say, great. Here's how th- we're going to do this. It's time to play Bible trivia. If you can answer three questions, and this is what I do, I will I will buy your product. And usually at that point, this is true. This is what I do. They hang up on me. Ninety percent of the time, they hang up on me. If you were a telemarketer, would you hang up at that point? I'm just anybody. Hang up. Who is this nut? All right, well, finally, I've been doing this for months now. Because every day I get, the, I play these games every day, with these folks. Because <clears throat> I want them to hang up on me instead of me hanging up on them. And um, so finally, this week, at I, I, one point, I started to ask a question a, a couple of weeks ago. But he hung up while I was asking the question. Well, this week, this guy, when I told him, said, do you want to play Bible Trivia? I said, it's three questions. And he said, yes. I said, okay. <laughs> Never had anybody want to play. So, um. This is a true story. I didn't, this is not preacher. Made, this is not made up. I say, okay, who was Abraham's wife? This guy's in India. I could tell by his accent. And he said, Sarai. I go, sir, you're right. God, his, her name was Sarai, and God changed her name to Sarah. And right there, I stopped. I thought, I'm in trouble. <laughs> this guy's in India on Google, and he's, he's typing in those questions, and he's going to answer them. And I had to remind them, I said, sir, you can't be on Google answering these questions. These are questions you have to know. That's question number one. I'm th- I actually started sweating thinking, okay, my questions are about to have to get really hard right now because I'm going to have to go <clears throat> think of a question that this guy does not know and he can't look up. To my relief, question number two, he hung up on. I literally, I could not, I've never in my life been more excited for someone to hang up on me on the phone. <laughs> at that point. Now I share this (laughs) because I thought I'm about to buy a home warranty if this guy gets these because I've given him my word and I'm going to be on the hook for this. And I share all this because this is that I was in that phase of the unknown. I got nervous right there on question number two because I thought this guy's going to google these answers and he's going to get me and I'm going to be the real loser after telling him I've got my credit card in my hand ready for him to swipe it To make the purchase for that. That is this unknown. This middle ground we live in. The truth is. God doesn't want us to live like this. We need to have assurance. You also need to have assurance. If you tell someone you're going to do something. You give them your word. You tell them you're going to buy a home warranty. You've got to do it. Look here what the Bible says. Revelation chapter 7 verse 9. After this I looked. And there was a vast multitude from every nation. Tribe people. This is a picture of heaven tribe people and language which no one could number standing before the throne and before the lamb who's the lamb right there it's jesus that's the lamb of god they were clothed in white robes and with palm branches in their heads this is what it will look like this is us we're in the multitude and they cried out in a loud voice salvation belongs to our god who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. Do you know that's us? Now I want to bring out one thing here. Because I want to tie this in on Palm Sunday. I think we read over these, these verses very quickly. In the last sentence of verse 10. It says we are going to be standing around the throne. This is God's throne here. And the Lamb is right there. Jesus, the right hand of God. And it says we will be holding in our hand Palm branches. Where does that come from? Do you know in John chapter 12, on Sunday, Jesus entered Jerusalem? In John chapter 12, verse 13. And as he entered Jerusalem, it says the people lined up outside the gates and they picked up palm branches and they waved them and they shouted, Hosanna in the highest. And they were praising Jesus as he entered into Jerusalem. Why was he going to Jerusalem? He was going there to die for our sins. He was going there to end his life. He was headed for his last week. The Bible tells us, church, in heaven, we will get to also participate as they participated with palm branches. You know, three weeks ago, we had palm branches here at the church. One day, you will be holding a palm branch again, waving it as Jesus is surrounded by you, or Jesus is in the middle of you, And the throne of heaven. One of the pictures of heaven is us waving a palm branch for the Lord that remembers Palm Sunday when he entered to die. Why is Jesus called the Lamb? Because he was the Lamb that died for our sins. This passage here in verses 7, Revelation 7, 9, and 11 tells us that every tribe, every people, every nation, and every language will be there, surrounded by Surrounded by, the Lord is surrounded by these peoples, praising and give him credit. Church, that's where we're going. That's where you and I will be here. We will be in the presence of Jesus with the multitude. Praising the Lord. Shouting out, salvation belongs to our God. If you flip back in your Bible, back in Isaiah 51 verse 6. It said, this is the verse I read. But my salvation will last forever. From Isaiah, who's writing about this 3,000 years ago, all the way to Revelation, this pointing a picture of the future, who, does, who holds salvation in their hands? Jesus. He does. He is one we place our hope on. So tying all this together, we have to say, God, um, what does this mean for me? Now, in your little bulletin insert here, there's a bullet point, the second bullet point. Jesus was once asked a question, because I want us to be able to answer this question. Understand, remember the past. God has called us. He's reminding us in Isaiah 51. God has called us like Abraham and Isaac. He cut us from a rock, from nothing is what he's talking about. I took you out of a rock, and I formed you. I made you into a great nation. And I've given you promises all the way for the future that I hold your salvation in my hand. That's our great Lord that we have. Well, three times Jesus asked a question, and we need to be able to answer this question. We don't need to turn there, but in Matthew 20 32, someone came up to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him, and he says, What do you want me to do for you? Let's think about that question. Jesus, the Son of God, is looking at you in Matthew 20, 32, and he's saying, what do you want me to do for you? He asks that three times throughout the scriptures. I put all the Bible verses there in your little handout. How would you answer that question, Broadway Baptist? How would you answer the question of what do you want me to do for you? Because I think if we were honest, we would be like Solomon. Solomon asked for wisdom. Some of us might ask for riches. Some of us ask for a great wife, great husband, someone good-looking money, whatever it would be. But when we see the message of the gospel from all the way here from Isaiah 51 and even from Abraham and Genesis chapter 12, all the way to the Revelation, the one thing Jesus has done for us and what's most important, church, he's given us salvation. What is salvation? Salvation means that when you and I die, Even though we're dead and we're in a casket in a funeral home or in a church, we're not dead. Our body's dead, but we're actually alive. We are alive in the presence of God. What do you want God to do for me? I want salvation. I want to be alive. And the question this morning, I want you to ask yourself, am I alive? If God asked me that question, what do you want me to do for you? Would I answer with, I want to be saved. I want Jesus. Do you know, in the context in Matthew 20, 32, do you know this was a blind man in Jericho asking this question? Do you know what he asked Jesus? He wanted his vision and Jesus gave it to him. He asked for a sight. He got a sight just like that from Jesus. I think for a lot of times for us, <clears throat> we think our greatest problem is we're blind. And we might be physically blind, but the real blindness that Jesus came for from Isaiah 51 to Revelation 7 is spiritual blindness. And that's what salvation is. Salvation comes to remove sin, to remove the darkness we have in our life, and Jesus saves us. So the question for us is, do we live in light of knowing the most important thing is biblical salvation? Meaning, I'm saved, I know where I'm going. Last two things up here on the screen. Our future. Here's our future for us. Number one, heaven is our source for optimism. Are you optimistic? Are you excited? Are you excited? Did you come to church on this rainy, gloomy day excited for the Lord? Excited that you're saved? Because the Bible speaks about optimism. The Bible tells us we have our salvation in the Lord. If you are here this morning and you aren't 100% sure you're saved, you need to nail down that decision. We see biblical salvation from the Old Testament starting with in the Garden of Eden all the way to Revelation God's message is He's a saving God. Jesus came because He brings biblical salvation. Jesus wants you saved. And number two, that's our optimism, the door to heaven is Christ. We are saved through Jesus Christ and Him alone. The message we share with other folks is a message of Jesus. The message that folks are spiritually lost. People in India do not know the Lord. I convinced that one man that called me, and he knew the Lord. He knew his Bible, at least. I was a little worried there. I said, the one Christian in India, I got on the phone, and he's answering them. But we have a gospel message, guys, that we share with our lost Lexington that Jesus is the answer. Why are we creating a second service? Why do we have a band? To bring glory to point people to Jesus Christ. We're constantly showing The door to heaven is through Jesus Christ. We're about to have our invitation. And I want you to look at your life and say, if Jesus came to me and he asked me that one question, what do you want me to do for you? If you give any other answer, then Lord, I want to be saved. I want salvation. You have given salvation. An answer that will eventually come to an end. Meaning there's an end to your answer. Whether you get riches, you get a healing, eventually it will stop. But if you get saved, it lasts forever. Are you doing, are you living, are you investing in things that offer salvation? Your time, the way you spend your time, your money in your energies, is it investing in folks' lives that their life, even though they're dead, they will have a soul that will be saved in heaven? Is your soul saved? Do you have gospel salvation? Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, I pray this morning that if some of us are here that have never received salvation, that have never been saved, that I do not see that we're living in this in-between, this unknown. Lord, open up our eyes and show us from the Old Testament all the way from Eden, all the way from the future in Revelation chapter 7. We see that, Lord, heaven is a restoration, where we're going, of the Garden of Eden. And only through the door of Jesus Christ do we get there. Lord, I pray this morning. If there's anybody here that needs to respond, anyone here that needs to be saved, or just like that video, anyone here that has never received believer's baptism, God, I pray they will respond to the gospel. Lord, you're asking us that question. What do you want me to do for you, Lord? Don't let us give us an, don't allow us to give an answer that is anything short of Lord. I want to be saved. I want salvation. I want you, Lord. God, I pray during this invitation that it is our time that we respond boldly to you. Lord, we thank you for this message here. And we pray as these next few weeks, this month, that we will be talking about, Lord, what it means to live for the future and be excited and optimistic about what you're doing, that you will put a burning passion in our hearts that we long to see you. We long for heaven, and we want to bring as many people there with us as possible. God, I pray that you allow us to resp- respond confidently what you're speaking to us. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen. Amen. We close every single worship service here with as an invitation. I'm going to invite everyone to stand, and we're going to sing in our hymn book, hymn number 465, Only Trust Him. I will be waiting down front for you to respond to the gospel.